0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode fifty-five of the Fitness Business Growth Podcast. I'm here with my good mate, Mitch. It's been a while, mate. He's been on the podcast. A lot's happened. You've become a father.
1: Yeah, I don't think we've spoke on here since then. Uh, yeah, it was October last year, so I got a little boy that's bordering on four months old now. So that's been a bit of a whirlwind, but yeah, super exciting times.
0: Awesome, mate. And what is the biggest change between pre-baby? And post baby, in regards to your day to day life, and I guess maybe a better question for our audience would be like, how have you adjusted your calendar to be as efficient as productive while juggling a newborn?
1: Mm, So routines kind of gone out the window a bit because a lot of it is just dependent on, I guess, when he sleeps and when he wakes up, and if I've been up and down a few times through the night. So it's it's kind of hard, at least at this stage, with having a three month old, but I've been trying to sort of do what I can in the morning uh, to give my partner a bit of a, a bit of a break because she's normally doing most of the stuff throughout the day when I'm working. So I've I've been doing what I can till about 8 or 9 o'clock and then I'll have my calendar or my working hours so to speak um, sort of kick off then which go through the day until 5 or 6 and then I try to uh, I guess, close up shop then and be a dad for the last few hours before he goes to sleep. But it, it's just a bit challenging at the moment that we kind of don't know when he's, like he doesn't really have a bedtime, doesn't really have a wake up time. So that's just been a bit tough to navigate.
0: Do you feel it's made you more productive? Like if you have an hour of your calendar and you know that you can't procrastinate, you know you can't do it later at night, like, do you feel as though it's created more urgency to get the tasks done when you scheduled it?
1: Yeah. Yeah, I think so because – and I think for like probably where I've noticed it the most is like the time that I'm actually working out. And Like I used to be – I used to take two hours or, or longer to work out, not that I was actually working out the whole time, but I'd be, you know, doing a bit of foam rolling and stretching and warming up on my phone and then at the end I'd do a bit of like cardio and stretching and just hanging out. So I'd probably be like two, two and a half hours like some some days and now it's like – you know, hour, hour 15 max. So I find that, that I'm just in and out very efficiently and getting about or well, nearly as much done as I was before. So I've noticed mm. it there for sure.
0: Well, mate, as you know, I'm going to try to have a baby soon so you can show me everything in about nine months' time. <laughs> but today's podcast episode is one that's near and dear to both our hearts. It's one that we talk about at nausea with our clients. It's something that we discovered through making a it's hard to call it a mistake, isn't it, mate, because of how successful it was. But we're going to talk about marketing to beginners, marketing to over 40s, marketing to over 50s, and what we dub our six audiences. So, mate, I'll let you take the floor. If you are going to run people through what happened at Curry Curry, uh, how we used to market,
1: and why we have our six audiences. Well, Curry Curry is where we, it all began for us, and a very small town. Um, so it's about half hour, forty five minutes outside of Newcastle, which back ten years ago wasn't a huge town then either. But think of just like a small rural town, and I don't know how, how many people. Do you have any idea how many actually fourteen
0: th- fourteen thousand eight and five hundred nine members in twelve months.
1: There you go. So we had what's that about four percent of the town? <laughs> That's not bad. But so fourteen thousand people, and back in two thousand and. 16 15, 16, when we kind of started, Facebook was not as it is now. You could put a dollar or any sort of money behind Facebook and it's going to reach an absurd amount of people very quickly. And it was great early on because we were getting so many inquiries, you know, that we didn't have any, any strategy other than just it's probably good to spend money on Facebook. And it was. And we would get lots of inquiries and we started to fill up our little boot camp very, very quickly. And I but... went
0: to 509 in 12 months. And to be transparent, we marketed every day to every single person in Curry <laughs> for years and years and years and years. And mate, I want to give a massive shout out to not Alex Mosi, who I often talk about, to one of our first heroes, Rost Kooligan. He was the first person that I ever saw do a 21 day challenge for $21. And that wouldn't work today, but that's what really, really took our bootcamp from a hundred to two hundred to three hundred to, to five
1: hundred and nine. Well, he was Mr. Bootcamp. He had Fit Body Bootcamp, and right. we're like, "Hey, we own a bootcamp." So yeah, we used to listen to him. I remember his like YouTube videos where he was standing in front of the, the whiteboard and just presenting. But he's and now obviously he's gone on to do do more than just gym stuff. But yeah, we learned a lot from him. But we we. We started running these 21-day challenges, as as Jamie mentioned, and we started our first one uh, June 2016, I think it was, and it went off. Went off like a bride's nightie, as we like to say. And went, off,
0: went off like a fish milkshake.
1: A fish milkshake. And it, uh, it was an amazing turnout, so we decided to do one again three months later. Mate, Still I'm quite so, successful. Sorry, mate, I'm
0: so glad we went down this 21-day challenge path because, like, Literally every challenge got a little bit worse.
1: Yeah, that's what I was about to say. That second one was still good, but a few less people. Then we ran one in the start of the next year and not quite as good again. And, and by the time was, I was thinking the fourth one, about a year after our first one, it was very unsuccessful. And we are like, what? We were, we were so yeah. confused.
0: It was panic stations. I remember it like it was yesterday. We signed up all these people, but the location where they lived from Curry Curry, it was Abermain, it was Cessnock, it was Belber. Like these people are getting further and further and further away. Like what is what is changing the marketing? What is changing the ads? And at that point, two young whippersnappers, I was like, I was just, I was just lost, didn't know what to do. And I'm saying that when we had 509 members, but we kind of saw like, hey, like if we continue this exact same style of marketing, this exact same style of challenging, we are going to burn through the town. And I mean, set it on fire. And where it was so apparent, mate, is we opened up our third location at Wall's End, got it to 110 clients in two weeks. And we ran the exact same ad in Kairi at the exact same time. And we were getting inquiries for $120.
1: <laughs> so yeah, we are getting 110
0: locations in one location, one inquiry for 120 and that was, we just logged this challenge to death. And I think that's what's happening to not just F45, all of them. The 28-day kickstart has been flogged to death. Hmm. And it made us apprehensive to spend money on Facebook. I've mate. Oh, sorry. You got me, mate? Have you got me, mate? Yeah, I got you now. Yeah. And it made us apprehensive to run Facebook ads every week, every month, every year. But if you're a gym owner... Realistically, you need three or four people starting every single week because you just cannot stop cancellations. Never lose a customer ever again. Makes a nice quote on Instagram, but people get pregnant, people move, people literally lose their job. So you just always need people coming in.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it would be nice to think that no one would ever leave, but there's always something that comes up. But that was a bit of a, one of the tough lessons i think because that's when we did like we didn't stay at 509th very long and we started to decline our, our churn wasn't fantastic and we didn't have a whole lot of effort put towards retention <laughs> so, so we we did see that number go down and we were trying to out, out market that churn and by that point we weren't very creative at that point we are just trying the same stuff and we would be having these conversations with each other saying, you know, why isn't it working? We ran the exact same thing last time. And that was the very reason why it wasn't working because we ran the exact yeah. same stuff.
0: And what's so interesting is people will look at like the offer, the image, the headline, the pixel, the type of campaign when it's literally people were fucking sick of the ad. Like we marketed to them 24 7, 365 for years and years and years.
1: Yeah, and that's where we we kind of landed on this new uh, principle or strategy concept, whatever you kind of want to call it, where we, we kind of rotate through audiences at different ages so then we can have a similar offer but the same people aren't going to be seeing it over and over and over again unless things are going well and then you can let it run. And then at which point it stops being as effective is when you switch audiences and you can tap into another market and give that first one a bit of a break. And how that would have looked for uh, back, at, back at Curry would have been that if we just had of gone through some different age brackets within that for the 21-day challenge, it would have prolonged the success of that a little bit more. But at that yeah. time, we hadn't the foresight to really think so to, about it.
0: To get super tactical... We dropped the pin in Curry, men, women, 18 to 64, everyone's welcome. And we'd run ads to that group of people, which is effectively every single person living in Curry Curry. And then over time, we did male and female. So we'd run ads towards females for two weeks and then male for two weeks. So we'd give them a break and we thought, well, can we actually even do better than that? And that's when we came across the six audiences And I'll quickly rattle them off. So we run ads towards women aged 18 to 39, women 40 to 49, women 50 to 59. And then we do the exact same thing on the male bracket. And what's really amazing, and I'm really proud of this, is if you advertise towards women aged 18 to 39 for two weeks, by the end of that second week, there will be some fatigue. You move on to women aged 40 to 49, repeat that process. By the time you come back around to that first audience, it's been 12 weeks. Which means that over an entire year, you're only advertising towards an audience eight weeks a year. And if you're in this industry, you know how exciting pre-sales are. We want to have that pre-sale effect when we advertise. People are seeing the ads for the first time, and there's legitimate excitement. What is this place? What is this offer? I haven't seen this, which will reduce in a cheaper cost per lead, cost per booking, cost per sale.
1: Yeah, and I think that's where we can. Uh the word isn't frustration, but we, we have conversations with owners and they only want to train younger people because their program is a bit too complex, a bit too challenging, or they've just got a gym full of 20 and 30 somethings that, you know, a 45-year-old looks out of place and is out of place. And and the reason why I guess why we're talking about it with them in the first place is just that if they're the only people you're really able to market to. And then you're going to run into that same issue that we ran into very quickly, and would have continued to run into moving forward if we didn't have more than one audience that we were that we were targeting. So that's a whole different uh, conversation. But you know that's where we find having a having different types of people that we can effectively run the same same campaign to, but just with different ages. Is something that really allows that offer to stay fresh, and you get really good lifetime out of the campaigns. Like you said, if you're doing it two weeks at a time, and you got the six, that's twelve weeks, that's you know three months, mm. and you're not really having to think about new campaigns. What are we running? It's just running through that that same process there.
0: Yeah, and once it's built, you literally just flick flick it on, flick it off, and rotate through the ages. And you'll find that some of your demographics perform better than others. But it doesn't mean that you don't advertise towards the other demographics because if this is a long-term play and you signed a five-year lease, you want to be advertising for the next 60 months. We want to rotate through those audiences to ensure that you don't, you don't go through fatigue. And I think even in 2024 compared to 2016, more people are advertising, ads will fatigue faster than ever before. Every gentleman I talked to launched an ad, did well for a couple of days and bombed. And yeah. their, their whole thing is, well, let's do more images. Well, how about we just change the audience? You actually put it in, put it in front of different people. Sabri Subi is a is a real something I someone I look up to, owner of King Kong, and he talks about it all the time. Like you're trying to, you're trying to outsmart the algorithm. You're trying to create this image, this hook, this headline, this unicorn creative, And like you can't beat human psychology. Like if. If a certain demographic of people have seen your ads for weeks and months and years, of
1: course this le- they're less likely to opt in. Well, how it works with Facebook, especially now, like, a, and, and I think it's always had an element of this, but it puts it in front of the people who are going to be most likely to take the course of action that you're wanting people to. So if you create a new ad, there's a reason, or a new campaign, there's a reason why quite often it starts hot is because Facebook puts it in front of that group of people that are most likely to learn more or opt in or do whatever you're you're asking it to. And we even saw that back in our, when we were opening new locations, we would, we still today have like a really good chunk of people at one of our locations from our pre-sale over six years ago. And they're the ones that saw the initial ad, they resonated with it and they just came down and got started and that was it. Whereas the more we did it, we started to reach people that were, would have seen that ad lots of times before, but it took so much, I guess, persuasion and for them to to actually take that next step. So you start reaching, uh, I guess, the type of person that probably isn't a good fit for your business, no matter what the image or headline or copy or hook is.
0: If there's 50,000 people in your area, 5,000 of them are at gyms, Facebook will show your ads to those first 5,000 people. If you don't get a result and your frequency score goes up, it will show them to person, 5,001 to 6,000, 6,001 to 7,000. And all of a sudden, you're scraping the bottom of the barrel. You said it a hundred times, mate. It makes me laugh every time. Walk through Coles, walk through Woolworths, look around. (laughs) The people in there, they may not be the best fit for your gym, but they're the people that are going to start seeing your ads if you just flog your area.
1: Yeah, and I think that's why it is important to still have a program that can uh, can be reached by people or can be used by people who might be a bit more underserved. And what I mean by underserved is when when you're marketing, to, and I, I use 20 and 30-somethings just because it's kind of easy to say, but they're the type of people really that can feel more comfortable in in just about any gym. Obviously, if they're not, not all of them, but but you get a lot of people. The younger they are, you know, if if they are in decent shape and they've done a bit of it before, they can go anywhere. They're the ones that get marketed to a lot by all the big box clubs, the twenty four seven gyms, as well as all the the franchises for group training and, and you know all the ones that are here now. But as you get to that older demographic, so you get to forty plus, forty five plus, fifty plus, even fifty five to sixty, a lot of these people wouldn't have. Ever seen these ads before? And that might sound ridiculous because we see them all the time. Being obviously in the industry, we see a lot of the ads, but also just being in our 30s. But a 48-year-old, they might not even know of a mm. 45 nearby or, or you know a, another popular gym nearby. So when they see it, this is this is completely new to them. Whereas for someone who's 27, they've been hit by every gym in the area a million times over it just becomes almost like white noise to them but the the issue like i touched on earlier on is a lot of the the gyms they they are so structured with with the people that they want in their program and that can End up causing a marketing issue because they are limited to how many people that they can actually reach from a marketing perspective.
0: Well, I go to Anytime Fitness down the road from my house. There's young, twenty-five-year-old guys really protracting their scapula, retracting their scapula, drawing their elbow perfectly past their latissimus dorsi to get the best squeeze on their muscle. Like, got to do that. So they are not. So the other part too, mate, is I would make an argument that sometimes younger people aren't great members either because they really care about the program.
1: Right? I was they want to make this, changes to your program. Yeah, I was having this conversation with an owner not long ago, uh, but there's also such a sense of instability with younger people as well, and not all of them. There, there could be young people listening to this who have mortgages and kids and stuff, but traditionally people in their 20s don't have their roots laid down the same way that someone in their 40s would. And I don't think there's many people who, who can argue with that. So, even if you've got a great member who's coming along, you know, three, four, five times a week, they're seeing results, they love the gym, they're bringing their friends along, they're probably one job offer away or one mm. promotion away 10 minutes up the road from, from moving or having their schedule change or anything like that. And then they all of a sudden can't make the gym and they cancel.
0: I think one thing that's often misinterpreted, mate, is your avatar or your niche. It is the most important thing as an online coach. If your avatar is a woman over the age of 30 to 50, that's a shift worker, a nurse or a teacher at a hospital because there's 2 million of them around Australia. So you can run that ad and you can be super specific with who you're trying to draw into your program. But at the end of the day, if you have a local gym, your avatar is anyone that lives within five kilometers of your gym, anyone that is capable of doing the program and anyone with money. And that is, that is the reality.
1: Yeah, this is one that um, I, I get a little bit hot under the collar about this one because I, I hear people, whether it's online or I have had this conversation before where they'll be talking about a niche offering and, and people will travel for, for something that's you know specific or, or, or niche. And they'll use the example of like a knee surgeon they'll say oh you know you have people travel from all over Australia to come to a knee surgeon it's like yeah but you're you're not a fucking knee surgeon are yeah you? <laughs> like <laughs> you're a gym like there's and there's dozens or, or or you know hundreds of them in in this half an hour or or hour radius of where you are so as much as we like to to think that we are like this super important commodity that really help people and we are but we're a dime a dozen and we all have different nuanced approaches to fitness with our methodology and our programming and, and how the gym looks and and everything that's associated with that. But we're not knee surgeons. Mm. So that's where, to your point, you, you need to be accommodating to as many people as possible. And this isn't to say, like, there are female-only ones that do very well and obviously at that point you you're blocking off half the market. I think that's a little bit different. But if you're if you're kind of only going after people who are the group of people that all the other gyms like going after don't be surprised when you can't get people into your gym through your marketing.
0: Yeah. And at the end of the day, who do you really want to help? We all want to have younger, fitter members in our program that are easier to program for, that have less injuries, that require less attention, that require less follow-up to get them in the gym. But Unfortunately, there's just not enough of them for the 50 gyms in your area to all have the required number of members each for you to have a very profitable business. And let's get one thing straight. Your business exists to make you money.
1: Well, one thing just before we sort of wrap up that part of the conversation, we were very fortunate in Curry Curry as well, because we were a product of the time, 2015, 16, where this whole group fitness phenomenon hadn't really taken off yet. But even to this day, there are only two, one, two, three, four gyms in Curry Curry. And when we were there, there was three. So there wasn't that much competition for us. And our gyms, we got two in Newcastle, and we've got three gyms in the same complex at one of them. And there's there's three or four others within 500 meters. And then our other one, you know, we've we've got a handful of big box clubs that are close by, really nice franchises close by. A, a handful, mate. We have got about four handfuls. Well, some of them shut down in yeah. Adamstown, so not as many as there was. But competition is way way higher than than it than it was for us previously so we, we were quite fortunate in that respect so now obviously being 2024 and and it has come full circle a little bit there are a lot of studios that are starting to shut down but with that there are a lot of new ones starting too so people are spoiled for choice and unless you do live in like a rural town where there's not many options then you, know, you, you need to be you need to be marketing, you need to be adaptable to, to different types of people because if you're segmenting yourself as uh, segmenting yourself off as only you know, really having people in there who are young and fit and capable and mobile and strong, then I don't think you're going to be around for very long, if I'm being perfectly yeah.
0: honest. So there's an EMF at, uh, where is it, Narang. And I've been there, it's where one of my friends lives, and they've got the nicest gym I've ever been to. They've got a Pilates reformer in there, they've got a UFC cage, they've got an outdoor CrossFit functional area, they've got a 25-metre swimming pool, they've got ice baths, they've got saunas, all included in the membership, not to mention the millions of dollars of cardio and weightlifting equipment. However, it is the most intimidating gym I've ever been to and I'm the least intimidated person by a gym on planet Earth. You need to separate yourself from them by allowing people that wouldn't walk into there for twenty bucks a week to feel welcome in your studio. And if you're going up against them, like you are going to struggle. Like 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 just once again, going back to like Sabri Suba Suri, you can't beat human psychology. Why would an eighteen year old boy who's short of money, who's studying, pay sixty a week at your studio when he can go there? and let's be honest it's a much better product.
1: Yeah, it's just not a not someone or a type of business you want to be competing with. And so mm-hmm. I've I've joined Anytime Fitness. I've got one just near my house and now as I was saying at the start of the call being short on time, it's um, it's nice that I've got it just a couple of, you know couple hundred meters from my house. But I've been to a few around Newcastle and they're some beautiful. Beautiful facilities and we can't compete with that. Like no independent studio can, can compete with that. E- even the, the, the franchises that are super nice, like they don't have the amenities or, or the, the luxury of 24-7 or, or the budgets to be able to compete with that. So instead of trying to, that's where you need to think, well, how, how can we market ourselves as different? And a huge one, the lowest hanging fruit in my opinion is, well, What's the one thing that you hear from people who who don't like those gyms and is that they get intimidated they they don't know what they're doing they walk in, they feel out of place they feel uncomfortable they they don't stay committed they they don't have no- they don't have any accountability they don't know how to use the machines like the list goes on, so why not start to to think, okay, what type of people are they generally that they're, they're gonna have those those concerns and those worries and it's beginners people who haven't really been in the gym before it's older people 40 and i say older but like 40 plus because they probably haven't really done that much gym stuff before i think it's been a very recent wave of this whole um, i guess fitness education where people like you have seen before retracting their scapulas and, and keeping their elbows tight to their lats Whereas 10, 10, 15 years ago, there was only bro science out there. Now there's so much good information out there that people can actually get good training programs and follow them and they can buy them online or get them for free. So all that information is being consumed by younger people, whereas the older demographic is still still needing that help. They're needing the coaching. They're needing accountability. They need to be able to go somewhere that feels safe and they feel comfortable. And that's, I think, the huge, some huge points there that you can play on in your marketing to try to attract people who would never step into those super nice facilities. Cause you and I have had lots of conversations where it's like, who the hell, like, why wouldn't people join this place for 20 bucks a week? Mm-hmm. And it's, and it's because they actually just can't step foot in there because they, they're too anxious, overwhelmed, and they, they can't do it. So we need to, yeah. we need to play on that and, and sort of think, think the other way around. Yeah.
0: And you're also solving a bigger problem. If you've got a beginner who's 10 kilos overweight, lacking confidence, doesn't feel comfortable going anywhere, you bring her into your studio, has an amazing experience, makes friends, gets the results, she's going to pay a higher ticket because she has a higher problem. But if you're attracting a 20-year-old guy who is 80 kilos, trying to get to 78 kilos to look better in the morning, fasted with the right lighting, to look good at schoolies in a week's time, how much is he going to pay, right? So like as part of your, your marketing is if you are solving a bigger problem, you're helping beginners, you're helping older people, your membership can be more too. And the other thing too is, I say it all the time, women over the age of 40, they got big mouths. And if they've had a bad experience and they come into your program and they have a great experience, they are at the school, in the canteen, telling all the mums, you have to come check out this place.
1: Yeah, it just sort of gets to the point when you really think about it like it seems a bit silly that you wouldn't be trying to get some of those those types of people in because they have so many ticks in the plus column. But it's something that we've found to be, like I said, still underserved and find that the locations and the facilities that we work with that do market to those groups do really well.
0: Mate, question. I heard it on a podcast recently. I like it. What is one thing that gym owners believe to be true that isn't? Hmm.
1: Let me think for a moment here, Mabel. What, what do you think? It's easy. To run, build a, g- to run a gym? Build it and they come.
0: Is the biggest fallacy? Because it's it's the truth is it, it is incredibly rewarding, but at the same time incredibly difficult. And I think that the coaches and gurus that are out there saying it's easy, I think they're leading people up leading people up the wrong tree.
1: Yeah, I think it's. Um, in addition to that, it's kind of like I think owners, coaches, trainers, whatever they forget that people don't care about. Fitness and health as much as they do you know they're they're talking about specifics of their programming or nuances to diets and things and it's like people just don't give a shit. they really just want to move they want to have fun they want to do they well, want to feel strong they want to feel fit they want to enjoy themselves they want to eat a bit better, live a better life, be healthier all that all that good stuff but anything beyond that, I think it's uh it's falling on deaf ears a lot of the time.
0: I couldn't agree more, mate. Thank you for your time today. Episode 55 is in the books, guys. Like, subscribe, and share with a friend. Thanks for watching.
1: Thanks, guys.